Zhao Shenghao Zhongbao Wen. The preparations are all ready for your father's 80th lunar birthday. The kitchen is at your disposal for yi min and red eggs. Also, I understand you are concerned with where to find a suitable gift, given nothing in Dizzying Fair costs anything. Not to worry. Meet me in the lobby. We are going shopping. To Mademoiselle Rouge, Viscountess and owner of Hotel Daydream and Reverie Estates. Nothing much to report, but fair warning. One of our guests had some experience with suicidal ideation today. Just so you know, before reading any further. But more on that later. We're hitting the beginning of the off-season, as summer break ends for most schools and students return to the Miskatonic University Satellite Campus here in Dizzying Fair, as well as going back to Redmond College and the Farrago Conservatory. We had a lot of graduate students here over the summer, many of whom were very excited about the new program in general abstract nonsense starting up at the conservatory. I have always wanted to put a toe in the academic world, but I don't think I have the head for it. All that musty research couldn't be me. I do not mean to disparage university work, of course. I always forget you have a doctorate, though I do not remember in what. I would apologize for forgetting, but whenever I bring it up, you don't want to seem to talk about it either. I do recall once you said that the dissertation process had been a massive pain in the tuchus, though that was not quite how you phrased it. Until the late fall and early winter season picks up, I may have enough time on my hands to take a class or two at the Miskatonic campus. In person, of course. I do not know how anyone has the patience to get a degree remotely with scrying. It seems like such a chore. On a similar note, Professor Watt has parked his red telephone booth on the roof while visiting. He asks after you and says we should all get together for tea sometime. He suggested we meet at his place. I said that would be lovely, but managed to convince him to have tea elsewhere. If I had a farthing for every time he's invited us back there, I'd owe him six pounds. He is so sweet, but I also don't think he realizes just how small his telephone box is. All those adventures through space and time and he forgets the ordinary people. I don't know how he can do all that traveling in such a cramped space. It seems to escape him that a mystical time-traveling telephone box that is smaller on the inside than the outside is not as enticing to the rest of us as it is to him. I wish he would put that sonic spanner to some use and build an addition to that thing if he wants to have company over. Oh, never mind. I shouldn't butt in. It is his home after all. He can do what he likes. Security Report I think the Venus flytraps and the employees of Fly on the Wall LLC are getting along better. I am still, and rather concerningly, surprised Fly on the Wall chose to fulfill their contract with us considering their... Um, difficulties working alongside the carnivorous plants. Still, for all their differences and the pervading bad mood that remains between them, they have worked surprisingly well together. Ever since they signed with the hotel, there has been no sign of the salesman about the premises. 
Until he is found, he will always be something of a concern, but I think we are safe for now. Yes, despite all of the misgivings, both between them and my own, Fly on the Wall and the Venus flytraps are keeping the hotel very secure. Personnel Report The bellboy the salesman got a hold of has come back from his leave. He is mostly recovered, but from time to time I see him getting caught up in worrying about money and trying to make ends meet. Many of the other bellboys have stepped in to help him continue processing his hustle culture trauma. The purple lounge chair is out this week, but I've sent them monogrammed handkerchiefs explaining the situation for when they return. Hopefully, they can be of some help. It is my pleasure to welcome Ferdinanda to the hotel staff. Sort of. She has asked me several times for something to do around the hotel, and I finally sat down and gave her some training for the front desk. She said she wanted to do it on a volunteer basis, but I will be setting aside and saving her compensation in the event she changes her mind and wants to be a full member of the hotel staff. When I had run her through the basics, I had to ask her why she wanted to work here so much. She very aptly corrected me, saying she did not want to work, only needed something to do. She did not say it, but I would wager she wants to stay busy so as not to think about her sister and the current growing divide between her and Jacqueline. Having gotten to know them better over the last several weeks, I wish there was a way I could help the two of them. We will have to see what happens. The Minotaur is currently out on scheduled leave this week, which means I will need some help taking the coins over to Mrs. Dwyer's home for existentially challenged objects today. I do not want them to miss their rendezvous with George the Coat Rack this afternoon. I would ask Im Chae-yong to help move the coins, but she is busy working with the legal team on redefining the hotel's status as an abode. We are trying to see if we can get the hotel certified as a home as well as a business. The Fae folks staying with us are still getting sick and atrophied from the ambiguity about whether they are technically allowed on the premises. Adding to that, it is with some remorse, I must tell you, Mugabe from the legal department is stepping down as of today. When I pulled him aside for his exit interview, he told me he was going to a job in Currency City. I did not press him on the particulars and managed to hide my disappointment until he had left. I cannot help but wonder if I spoke too soon about the salesman. The bellboy recovered, but I cannot help but wonder if he somehow got to Mugabe. I doubt it, but I hope he will be happy in Currency City. Anyway, going back to the coins, I asked Brian of the Neon Hour Club if he could help move them today, but he is busy with a show tonight. He managed to book both Constance Struggle and Emma Thotson for the show, and what with Starina headlining, he is going to be slammed for time. I asked the Wizard of Odds if he could help, but he has gotten very comfortable in his exile. He and several of the bellboys and groundskeepers have started a tabletop role-playing campaign with one of the cleaning witches as the Game Master. Their session zero is this afternoon, so he is also unavailable. Renovation note. The renovations on floor Googleplex have hit a snag. It seems when we ordered tiling for the bathrooms in those suites, we ordered Einstein tiles. The contractor who did the renovations for Miss Gaff's room is complaining about trying to lay these tiles. 
even with all 2300 of his hands, he's having trouble putting them down. His knuckles have early onset arthritis, and having to give every single tile a unique position next to its neighbors is really taxing for him. I have told him the aperiodic tiling is a must, though I have agreed to extend the time frame of the renovations. I hate asking the contractor to do this, but these specific designs are important. If you remember, many of our non-typical polygons logged a complaint about the dimensions of their rooms not meeting their geometric needs. These rooms on floor Googleplex are for our tessellated guests who can take advantage of the infinitely non-repeating space. Reservation Report I was able to move the abandoned half-drunk drinks support group from Ballroom 7 to Ballroom 9. The cup of tea was out, but I managed to speak with the compostable coffee cup you left in your car after scrambling to get to work on time that one day, and it feels like too much of a waste to toss it, but you also don't really want to drink the rest of the coffee because it was been sitting there so long, so it remains there both prized and neglected. Yes, they managed to fit all of that on a single business card. Anyway, moving the support group, however, pushed the academic convention back a few weeks, which was not easy to arrange, but the two academics, in spite of whatever beef they have with each other, were very accommodating under the circumstances. Im Cheong and I have contacted all of the attendees to amend their reservations at the hotel so as to minimize any ruffled feathers over travel arrangements. The arrived last night. Ferdinanda took off early, so it was just me to check them in. I did not want to be pushy, so I did not say much of anything. I, I, I did ask how their trip was, and they said it was fine. I felt so stupid for brushing up on my hush. It turns out they speak quiet. I did not clock their accent the first time we spoke, but now I can hear it much more clearly after becoming familiar with the language. I don't think they recognized me from last year. The biannual Shakespeare's quietest convention did have a lot of people, but if they don't remember me from the con, I'm not sure how to... Eh, what's the word for it? Pursue them? Well, that doesn't sound right. Get to know them? That sounds invasive. Befriend them, I guess. I do not want to be pushy again, but ever since I learned they were staying here, I... I knew I had to talk with them again. There was something about them I cannot stop thinking about ever since the convention. Perhaps I'm fixating too much. I do not want to make it a thing, but, well, I do want to become friends. Why is it trying to think about this is so convoluted? When you're a kid, you spend time with someone and there you go, you're friends. Why does it feel... Why does it feel so much more awkward now that I am older? I like them quite a bit, but not like that. But how do you tell someone that without over-explaining it and sounding overly invested? <sighs> this shouldn't be this complicated. I'd appreciate any advice, if you have any. Personal Notes I went to the Fountain Plaza in Labyrinth Park to meet with the coins. I was waiting on a bench when Elizabeth came by with Kafka and a Menem hat. The two architects broke off to talk with the coins, who began asking them about their travels. Elizabeth and I chatted as I checked my watch, not wanting to keep George or Mrs. Dwyer waiting. 
Is somebody late? You keep looking at your watch. Sorry? Oh, no. You remember the dryads from the day your parents arrived? Yeah, Jackie and Nanda. Are they helping move the coins today? Jacqueline is, but... But I'm worried about her. Are they still fighting? How did you know? Jackie and I talk from time to time. Has she told you what's caused their difference of opinion? Other than it's her sister? No. She has a lot on her mind. I think having all the other dryads in the Crimson Forest call the two of them ugly got under her skin. Now with her estranged sister potentially stopping by, it's a lot. Oh. No wonder she wants to leave. She wants to leave? Don't tell her I said that. I don't think it was my place to let the cat out of that particular bag. Right, right. Just... She never told me. You said you were worried about her? What is it? I told her that I had met with Amenemhat and Kafka earlier today. We have been talking about the needed changes for the promenade going out to the Aku Cemetery, and the pair had agreed to stay on to help with the renovations. I had just wrapped up a meeting with them when I walked past the Vigil Grove and spotted Jacqueline inside. For a moment, I panicked, afraid they would devour her. The sculptures in the grove are ravenous for flesh, and as I raced to the gate to grab a daisy wheel and a bouquet of roses to protect her, I realized the sculptures had not made a move. Jacqueline sat on an empty pedestal in the middle of the grove, but none of the sculptures seemed interested in her. One of them, the Jiu To Niao, the nine-headed bird, was actually talking with her in a perfectly normal manner. I entered the grove with my hexafoil engraved cloak and the bouquet of roses, wary as the sculptures eyed me, licking their lips. As I approached Jacqueline, the Jiu To Niao stepped into my path. Before I could ward her off with the roses, she put up a wing, saying she only wanted to talk. She gestured with one of her heads for me to follow. I did not want to leave Jacqueline alone, but the other sculptures did not seem a threat to her. I cautiously followed the Jiu To Niao under the entrance of an old derelict shrine. I am Ling Fan, the Jiu To Niao said. I don't care, I replied. If this is a trap, you're going to have to work a lot harder than that to get the marrow in my bones. Her nine heads snorted. Please, she said. If I wanted to do that, it would take a lot more than your handful of weeds and a silly drawing to stop me. I held up my roses, blooms pointed at her chest. Despite her intimidating frame, she couldn't help a shiver. So what is this about? I said. I motioned to Jacqueline. You lure her in here as a snack or what? Why are you so sure we did something? She said. The dryad was already depressed when she walked in. What did you do to her? Don't change the subject. Ling Fang ruffled her marble feathers. You don't want help, you piece of meat? Fine, she said. But your friend isn't the only one to walk in here hoping to never walk out again. Fang left heavy stone-sculpted body making the ground shake as she stalked away. Jacqueline seemed in a daze as I pulled her to her feet, roses held out and my cloak held close. Pushing Jacqueline behind me, I backed out of the vigil grove, the eyes of a hundred hungry sculptures waiting for the slightest mistake. We managed to leave without an attack, much to the chagrin of the sculptures, but 
Not all of them seemed bloodthirsty. A great many watched Jacqueline, their chiseled granite faces softened by brows furrowed with worry. Out of danger, I asked if Jacqueline was all right. She merely shrugged. When I suggested we head back to the hotel, she followed like a shadow, weightless, as if about to drift out of existence altogether. I am not trained with how to do this. If the purple lounge chair was here, they would know how to help her. But all I had was myself, my concern, and no idea how to talk her off this ledge. I've never felt so responsible for another person's well-being, and yet so inept at how to help with it. I was at a loss. Is she okay? No. She didn't go through with it. Or rather, her... It... It failed. Where is she now? I brought her back to the hotel and left her with Hiroko. She is going to bring her down to the plaza in just a few minutes. I'm going to bring her with me to help with transporting the coins. Giving her something to do may help take her mind off of... things. You sure about that? Not remotely. I am completely out of my depth here. I know management and how to play a mean canoon, but that's it. What's a... Never mind. I wish I could leave the park to go check on her. I wouldn't want to chance it, what with Ushbarine potentially watching. Would you tell us if you knew for sure she was? Of course. Are you so sure? Yes... Elizabeth, have I done something to- You didn't tell us about Ushbarine last time. She's the one person who could ruin our lives, and you didn't think to mention she was coming by with a band of basileers to hunt us down two weeks ago. It was sudden, unexpected. You knew all day, but said nothing. I- I was busy. With what? What's above our safety? Your conversations with some Zen Buddhist monks? No, but- But nothing. Truth is, I didn't take her seriously enough to consider letting you all know. I didn't think there was a chance she'd find you all, and I thought the park would be up and running again by then, and... And I am sorry. You know, for a manager, you forget some pretty important things. Of this, I... of this I am aware. Some days it feels like I have a walnut to work with instead of a brain. How juggling of you. Juggling? Name for their genus. Jackie's uncle is a walnut tree. Ah. I am sorry about that, though. Truly. I know. But, until our whole situation gets figured out, you and Madame... uh, Rouge. Rouge, right. The two of you are all that are standing between my family and a system that wants to kill us. Just... Try not to forget that. I won't. I promise. What time were you meeting Hiroko and Jackie here? Fifteen minutes ago. I hope nothing else has happened. Did you know them, Jackie and Nanda, before they became a plural? Not especially. I wish I had. I might know something helpful. I think they're still trying to figure out this two-person thing... 
having their sister suddenly re-enter the mix has made it more complicated. Have you known anyone else with their condition? I didn't know it was a condition until we got here. Do you? Know someone, that is. Unfortunately not off the top of my head. I'll ask my folks if they know. Looks like they're here. Hiroko and Jacqueline entered the opposite side of the plaza. I bade farewell to Elizabeth with the promise that I'd let her know how Jacqueline was doing. Hiroko met me halfway across the plaza. She said everything was okay and that Jacqueline seemed better now, but was reserved. Hiroko had tried to keep her talking, anything to keep her distracted. It seemed to help somewhat. I asked Hiroko if she would mind coming along with moving the coins today. Hiroko chuckled. She is made of paper, so debatable how helpful she could be, but for Jacqueline, she'd be happy to go. Our visit to the rest home was dour, to say the least. Hiroko tore her arm slightly upon trying to lift one of the coin buckets, but it wasn't anything too serious. She has a lot of experience patching herself up. Being around the semi-sentient objects seemed to do Jacqueline a lot of good, though the shadow of this afternoon isn't going away anytime soon. Mrs. Dwyer was of great help, though. She has an extensive background in counseling and said she was happy to swing by to check in while the purple lounge chair is out of town. Jacqueline is okay, but does not want to talk about it. I do not really have anything further to add other than a frustrating sense of powerlessness. She will be okay. She'll be okay. Report submitted by... by your friend. Sincerely, Lionel. Hoto Daydream was voiced and written by Stephen Kausler. The voice of Elizabeth was Alyssa Ghost. Our theme music is by John Divin. Additional music in this episode was by Sergei Cuadrado, Les FM, Coma Studio, William King, Black Pie Beats, and Matthew Mike Cole Music. You can find the links to these artists in the show notes. Transcripts for each episode can be found on our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Hotel Daydream, or follow the link in the show notes. If you enjoyed your stay at the hotel, consider leaving us a review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Want more Hotel Daydream? Each episode has its own commentary on our Patreon. The first ten, ten, are free to listen for anybody. That's almost 10 hours of ad-free audio for you to enjoy. None of which, however, would be possible without our patrons. Today, the hotel would like to thank Mandy the Flapjack Platypus, Sarah Elkins, Danny the Spoon Lord, Gus Sanchez, Maggie B, Asher Klein, and Danny Denise. Thank you for supporting the hotel.